Mario, are you there? Are you connected up yet? Yeah, yeah. No, I can see you. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not on mute or anything, am I? No, no. Coming through loud and clear now. Great. Um, who have we got this week? Uh, Michael Fry, star internet comedian. You know the guy? Yes, I fantastic do. Fantastic videos, big yeah. Fry, dirty, dirty fry up or big, big dirty fry? At Big Dirty Fry. At Big Dirty Fry. I keep, Jesus, the reason I see at Big Dirty Fry is because I keep seeing at Big Dirty Fry pop into my, what is it, DMs? No, not my DM, my timeline. Because uh, it's all this stuff, people retweeting all this stuff. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, basically, he's just like, he's kind of one of these, this new generation of entertainers that are leveraging the power of social media in a really clever way, making these fantastic videos at home, putting them out there and hitting massive amounts of people. It's fascinating. What kind of numbers are they hitting? Oh, millions. Like, sorry, did you just say in his room? Yeah. Sorry, hang on. Are you saying I've been doing this for 23 years and in just one click from his room, he can get more? What is it? Views or listens or people listening to him than I've ever had in my life. Are you saying I've been crawling around Ireland for years and this guy who's still in his 20s can just be in his bedroom and just idly just like clicking a little button and suddenly everybody's going, oh, Jesus, that big dirty fry. And I'm there just out slaving and absolutely trying to basically batter my head off walls, trying to get people to see me and just putting posters up on poles and going on radio shows time after time. And this is he's coming in. He's he's coming oh. into the room now. Yeah, I okay. just see him joining. Hi there. guys. Hey, Good to Michael. See you, Mario. Hey, Patrick. how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Before we start, Patrick, is it okay if we're recording any video from this? Can you make sure the aspect ratio is four five for Instagram and then nine sixteen for TikTok and Stories? And on TikTok, I'll probably do a stitch of, of of one of the videos and then Stories. If you tag me and then tag me as a business partner as well, and maybe add a sticker or like a like a question box or something, that'll be great. Is that okay? That's great, Michael. That's great. No problem at all, Michael. I think I think the internet is great. No problem, Michael. Uh, look, we're just going to do some final setup here with the tech uh, with Mario so why don't you just grab a coffee and uh, come back to us in about five minutes yeah cool hashtag great stuff guys <laughs> Patrick what the hell is he talking about and there you are welcome back to the Mario Rosenstock podcast for this week um, as you've just heard, my guest this week is going to be the internet comedian, Michael Fry. And that word, inter- those two words, e- internet comedian, we'll figure out what that is. I mean, I'm sure you've received things over the years on your phone or on your Twitter, and it's kind of a viral meme that goes around. Well, it may well have been from somebody like Michael, um, who has developed a name for himself doing that specific kind of comedy. And he's garnered lots of great reviews from around the world. Fans like Darrow Breen and Dawn French. Um, who really dig him and love what he's doing and Michael is going to be my guest Um, I first met him a couple of years ago doing the radio show he was doing little parodies of radio and news talk and Northern Irish radio and that got the attention of people but he's also a very astute and and wise young man actually and he has lots to say about social media and the world we live in today so please uh, look forward to that interview in a couple of minutes um, from Michael Fry Um, but listen if you're enjoying the podcast so far um, thanks a million a great reaction to George Hook last week when I say a great reaction I mean it was a divisive reaction some of you didn't like um, particularly hearing from George others did like hearing from him um, but listen I aim to surprise people with the podcast as well you know so um, hopefully uh, we ticked some of those boxes um, listen if you're enjoying the podcast click subscribe follow and it's for free I'm not charging anything so um, just get the community going there and uh, you can also follow me on my email mariorosenstock at gmail.com I read all my emails uh, thanks to people like Mark Moriarty Mark Conlon and Vanessa Keneally out in Malta for uh, emailing me and uh, I'm delighted about that um, so listen I suppose it's very difficult uh, to t- talk this week without talking about these two words Super League Everybody's talking about the Super League and I was transfixed by the whole drama myself. Okay, what was it? It took us all by surprise um, this week, but yet it was all over in, in 48 hours. Um, with Complete with snivelling, shame-filled apologies from these oligarchical billionaires. So the question I've been asking myself all week, if these are the smartest men in the room, how was this such a ham-fisted, botched, amateur hour attempt at a kind of a hostile takeover. Why was the PR so abysmally poor? Why was the logo so utterly terrible? And why did it ultimately fail so miserably? 
was it, like some people have suggested, that they didn't want to set up a Super League at all? They just, they wanted to, you know, just send a message across to UEFA. This was just a ruse. It was brinksmanship. It was a power play to, you know, extend their power and gain leverage over UEFA and FIFA in the future for future negotiations. Well, if that's the case, that failed abysmally as well. Utterly failed. Nobody will take them seriously if they ever try it again. Nobody. Um, if they try to start up a new the Super League, it will be rejected out of hand by the public at large. And the public will know that people power will win the day. So what was going on? What has happened this week? What was the Super League? Um, I suppose you've heard a lot of hot takes about it this week. So for what it's worth, here's mine. I think what happened was um, a desperate, rushed, panic-stricken attempt at a bailout. A bailout of world football. Uh, Similar to a bailout of the banks in 2010. A mass um, uh, support system which would come to the rescue of a dying breed that is world football and resuscitate it. Um, And realising they were all hopelessly drowning in debt and staring into the abyss. These clubs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Liverpool, Tottenham? Arsenal? How did they get in? Well, they asked JP Morgan to bail out football the way we asked the IMF to bail out Ireland. Um, For which they, or we, uh, the consumer, would be paying for this for the next 23 years. 23 years. Sounds like a mortgage, doesn't it? Yeah, they mortgaged football. And we'd be paying it back for 23 years. Barcelona, a billion in debt. Why Tottenham? 1.2 billion in debt? So for me, for what it's worth... It was a bailout. But you can let me know what you think. Mario Rosenstock at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as well, at Gift Grub Mario. And I'm on Facebook. It's just Mario Rosenstock. Anyway, I'm not the only one this week who's been talking about the Super League. Turns out all my podcasting friends have been talking about it as well, including Blind Boy Boat Club. So I'm sitting there numb and prostrate like an iguana. Stewing in its own reptilian anxiety. My couch is a hot rock. Contemplating the Super League football miasma. They're oligarchs, which... What is an oligarch? But a giant buzzard feeding off the entrails... Of a dead carcass. The oligarch picks away every last inch of flesh, squeezes every last milliliter of blood out of its hapless consumer. The buzzard will not stop, will never stop wanting more and more until the consumer is reduced to dry skin and bone. While I have you, you wouldn't mind throwing us the price of a cup of coffee, would you? If you want more buzzard, more hot rock, cup of coffee, please. That's it. Ease the debit card slowly out of the wallet. And even the crime journalist, Nicola Talent, the great Nicola Talent, was all over this Super League thing. I'm Nicola Talent. This week I expose the crime of the century as a group of dangerous underworld scumbags come together in a sinister cartel known as the Super League. These well-known psychopaths straddling the continents include the notorious Italian Andrea Angel Eyes Agnelli, the Madrid Torag, Florentine, the piano wire Perez, and the American scum working out of Liverpool, John Hot Chocolate Henry, not to mention the Manchester United sociopath, Joel the Goldfish Glazer. These animals have been getting people addicted to their gear for years through what was called the knockout stages. Now they're looking to get people onto the hard stuff every week and of course Eamon Dunphy had a breaking exclusive when it came to the Super League 
Hello and welcome to The Stand with me, Eamon Dunphy. Now, we're hearing of a very dubious development of a so-called Super League of Podcasters that is being set up. This would, of course, corner the market in world podcasts and render smaller independent podcasts like myself uh, redundant and extinct. John Giles? I think it's disgraceful, Eamon. I won't get away with it. It's greed. Greed, Eamon. Now, greed. meetings have been taking place, John. Apparently, yes. clandestine meetings um, yeah. between these so-called putative Super Leaguer podcasts. Yeah. 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 They include names like the Two yeah. Johnnies, yeah. Um, uh, Tommy and Hector, yeah. uh, the Happy Pair Twins, yeah. uh, The Good Glow by Georgie Crawford. Yeah. John, your verdict. I'm disappointed, Eamon. Why, John? What about Spencer and Vogue? They're a great podcast, yeah. Hi, right, Jan. My therapist ghosted me. That should have been in the, definitely in the Super League. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, brand new exclusive comedy, exclusive to the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Follow and subscribe for free. Uh, send me your reactions um, at GiftGrubMario, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. I actually love The Stand, as some of you might uh, have predicted. I love Eamon. I love it so much and I love him so much that I've asked him to be my guest next week on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. So if you have any questions for Eamon at giftgrubmario mariorosenstock at gmail.com and um, now have you ever received something funny over the internet? Something viral? Uh, kind of a meme and you wondered God, where do they come up with this stuff so quick? And who's doing this? And who's taking all the time to do this? Um, I've received it on Twitter or on Instagram. Well, it may well have been um, from somebody like today's guests. Say hello, everybody. Sit back and enjoy my chat with Michael Fry. Well, I am delighted to be joined uh, by Michael Fry. And of course, the opening there was a little bit of a lie because I do know Michael because he appeared at me um, a good few times on the radio uh, on the Sunday Roast. And Michael, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good to see you again. And when I, when I, yeah, it has been. And it's been a really, really, really eventful period for you as a comedian. We'll decide now in a minute what category of comedian you presently are in. But listen, just for, our, just for the few listeners that might not know who you are, um, give them a bit of biographical information of where you were brought up and how you got into comedy and what's brought you to this point. Yeah, so I am from Navin in County Meath. Um, my parents aren't from Navan. Um, my mother's Donegal, and my dad is Irish descent from Manchester, uh, which means there's a, a weird mix of accents in the house, and that means I'm able to do accents or whatever. Um, but I actually started comedy when I was like 23, um, and I was doing a grad program in uh, Coleraine in Northern Ireland, and it's not a particularly eventful place, and I was very, very bored. Uh, and it just turned into this thing where I was trying to entertain myself and kind of filmed it and put it out to whatever i'd like 400 followers at the time um who i you know i'd accumulated over years of being on twitter and for some reason the i did started doing parodies of like news talk and radio sketches and things like that and that seemed to just take off and it's been kind of you know gaining momentum ever since i got a job working for joe.e for a while on the back of that uh and then last year I moved to london for a little while during the global pandemic so ended up coming straight back home and um, I don't know, was, was in London for a little while and came home again. Around January, I started doing some songs. So what I would do is take viral internet clips or, you know, iconic bits of Irish television or that kind of way and turning them into kind of indie songs in the style of say like the XX or um, I don't know, Hot Chip or somebody. So um, I've been having a lot of fun with that, but it also means like I've, I've gained a lot of followers, uh, particularly like in the UK and stuff like that, which is mad. It's not a market that was ever open to me before. So um, yeah, it's been um a really weird year, I think, for everybody. But yeah, just over the last while, it's kind of been really, really strange for me because I've been so busy doing comedy stuff and actually making a living out of yeah. doing what I do. And you started at 23, Michael, yeah? And what age are you now? I'm 27. 27. So you've just mm. been at it a few years. And in a way, the in a way and ironically, the most successful year of your life has been the global pandemic. Yeah, I, I, that's, um, I'm probably one of the few people who's kind of benefited from it in a way. I think it's because everybody was online and everyone was kind of forced to join social media to keep in touch and, you know, that kind of way, do, do kind of video calls and stuff like that. So I was finding more people, I get more accounts that like don't have any followers or I get more people who are clearly new to Twitter following me and like people's parents and stuff like that. So it's, it's been, yeah, I've, I think I've taken advantage of that 
in, in a way or a little bit like. Yeah. Now we were aware of you or I was aware of you, as I said a few minutes ago, um, before you became what we might call an internet phenomenon. And we were aware of you because you did some, as you said, sketches about parodies of the radio. And um, one of the sketches that you did was, uh, well, the sketch that you were, you were kind of initially became well known in my group for was a kind of a, a, a parody of news talk. And what was that about? Yeah, so my parents used to listen to news talk all the time and they always had like really serious guests on or, or kind of really kind of a ragtag group of people to discuss things. So the first sketch I did uh, was called Teen Talk with Michael Teen. And I had, I think, the CEO of Permanent TSB, Benjamin Netanyahu and Simon Harris all at the same time talking about like what to do if a boy likes you and stuff like that. Uh, so then I kept doing that. It was kind of this thing of like uh, I would have whatever the show was, talk with me, Michael, whatever my name is. So it was Girl Talk with Michael Girl <laughs> and all my guests were men because, you know, the gender balance in Irish radio isn't great sometimes. And yeah, those things I think really struck a chord with people because I, I hadn't seen people make fun of news talk specifically or make fun of that kind of genre of talk radio in Ireland that much or not not on twitter anyway so it was kind of yeah i don't know that that's that's what kind of launched me but i i kind of added more characters as time went on and i got more confident with, with my audience and what i could do you know brilliant and here's a little clip of girl talk that michael created a few years ago hello and welcome back to girl talk with me your host michael girl on news talk 106 to 108 it was revealed yesterday that kylie jenner had a baby girl but where do babies come from what threat do they pose to our natural environment we'll get down to that later first of all i'd like to welcome my gal pals to the studio green party leader eamon ryan archbishop dearman martin and senator ronan mullen uh eamon i'd like to go to you first who are you loving hon any goss <laughs> I love it. Excellent stuff. Um, but it wasn't just, um, you know, it wasn't just radio types. You were also into just even parroting types of people that you'd come across maybe in your everyday life. Give us a couple of examples. Yeah. So one of those would be the Irish Mammy. So I think lots of comedians or lots of Irish comedians have a Mammy that they do. And my particular one, it's actually not even based on my own mother. It was based on kind of my mother's friends or uh, women I worked with and stuff like that. It's just a kind of middle-class, quite worried mam. Uh, and I kind of built a whole family and backstory with her. So I've been kind of consistent in that. Like she always has two kids they're, they've been aging as time has gone on. So they've done their leave inserts and they've done like they're in college now and all that kind of stuff. One of them now has a boyfriend she's living with, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of one person I've decided to do uh, over the last while. Catherine, did you see that video Veronica put in the chat last night? It's after frightening me so much. A rat crawls out of this... A rat, Catherine, crawls out of a loaf of brown bread and across the counter in, in this apple green... And oh my God, I've been up since four o'clock in the morning making lunches. Owen came in to me this morning. He says, can I have three euro, ma'am? I says, for what? He says, I want to buy a chicken filled roll. I nearly brained him. I says, Owen, did you not see that video? I sent it into the chat. He says, yeah, but it's, it's obviously not every apple. I says, obviously, the rats are out, Owen. It's rat season. They get in everywhere in the soles of your shoes, through the carpets, in your dreams, everywhere, Owen. I've made you lunch now. Ver- Veronica said, Catherine... And this frightened me now. She said, the average person swallows three rats in their sleep every year. I says, oh, and your leave inserts coming up. The last thing you need is the bloody plague or anything like that. So there's the lunchbox there now. I made you sandwiches. And he opens it up. He says, there's brown bread here, ma'am. I says, yeah, you eat brown bread for your fibre, Owen. And he says, ma'am, the rat crawled out of the brown bread. I says, oh, don't be so stupid. I've been up since four o'clock, since the crack of dawn this morning, checking every slice of that bread for rats. <laughs> That's great. It's based on a lot of my friends' parents and stuff like that. So it's kind of very much like, (laughs) I think it's the terror that Irish mothers have about rats and insects and stuff like that. I mean, my mother always used to say, oh, they've no bones and they'll crawl under the doors and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just, it's a play on that kind of terror that they all experience. But another person I'm doing uh, is a a PR executive uh, that I've called Winnie Ale, who is, you know, fabulous. And um yeah, it was just kind of based on salespeople that I worked with. And I, I don't know if you've dealt with like salespeople or PR yeah. people. There's a, like a spiel they have. And like they always start the call. They're like, oh, hey, how are you? They'll have a, a conversation a little bit about something inane. And then it'll suddenly switch very quickly to business. And I just noticed they all do that <laughs> for some reason. I don't know if it's like a sales school kind of thing. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's one I'm, I'm parodying 
quite a lot sometimes. So yeah, they're just people I've, I've come across. It might be the idea, it might be the sales idea of soften them up with something really gentle and really innocent and then hit them really hard with what they, what, what you're going to give them. That's here's, it, yeah. um, here's, here's a little clip. Here's a little clip of Munail. Is Munail a female or a male, by the way? Um, I started playing Winniel as a man, but I mean, people read the character as a female now, and I think I play it as a female now, so I guess it's a woman now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never addressed it directly in the video, so I guess it's op- open to interpretation. Here it is. Hey, Christy, it's Winniel here from Scourge. I'm just getting back to you on the proposal of that budget you had. Yeah, so we were thinking, like, we were looking at, like, social. And, like, a big issue on social right now is homeless children. And I had a look at the team and we were thinking, like, okay, if I was a homeless little boy, what would I love to have most? Yeah, and that's, like, a very obvious answer. And, you know, a lot of the other councils are doing that. But we want to stand out and really offer something to, like, the tourists and the international community as well as our own. So I was talking to everybody and obviously we all had houses growing up and I had two because my parents were divorced. But I was thinking, like, when I was happiest as a child and it's when I went with my dad to Florida and we were on a jet ski. And I was thinking, how do I recreate that for somebody who doesn't know what Florida or a jet ski is? And we had a look at this website. It does like white water rafting. I don't know if you've heard of it. So basically it's like a really fast river and you get in a kayak and you like go around around a circle. It's so much fun. But it's great because it's like really adaptable. So say we launched it next year, we could use like a hashtag. It'd be like white water Christmas. If it was around like June, it's pride month. So we're like white pride. If anyone's into water sports and also it's like really accessible. So like a lot of homeless children at the moment are missing like developmental milestones, like talking and, and walking. And like you don't have to talk or walk when you're on it. So it's like perfect. And another great benefit. And this is like really cool for social, really cool for like, you know, getting your name out there as like a good guy is basically like like the emergency services can use it for training purposes. And like that training is like really useful for when we start firing poor people into the sea. Yeah, you have it there, Michael. Fair play to you. One of the the things that you became sort of most known for, especially in the last six, eight, nine months, is uh, what you refer to as the kind of indie songs. So basically, mm. this is an interesting concept, right? Uh, for those of you listening out there. So Michael looks at things on the internet that have become big on the internet. Well, you explain it yourself. Yeah, so uh, it's usually viral clips. So I I play with music. I like music and I've always played music and, and had music software and stuff like that. And this year, I was like, in January this year, I was kind of like, all right, I would love to try write some serious music. And I had a kind of little song on my laptop and I was like, God, I have no lyrics for this. I need some filler. I need like Laura Mip some text or whatever just to put in just so I can sing along and see, okay, can I fit some poetry or some lyrics into this? And I realized I had uh, the transcript of the Aoife McGregor voice note on my phone. And I was like, (laughs) right, let's put this in. And it worked really well. So I was like, okay, let's see where this goes. And I could pretend to be a band. And I put that up and that went crazy. And I, I, you know, one of my best performed videos at the time. And I was like, right, cool. I'm going to do more of these. So I just kept going. And I, the second one I did was based on a clip from Come Down With Me, where this guy was a really sore loser and tells the winner to get off his property and stuff. Um, and that went up and suddenly Lad Bible had it, like all the kind of big Facebook pages in the UK had it. And yeah, it's up at like 1.2 million views or something now. But like, yeah, that was like properly broke into the UK with that and I was on the Greg James breakfast show and like all kinds of stuff. It was mental. Um, so I've, I've been doing that ever since. Um, so I've, I've done, I think probably about 15 or 16 songs now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. The reaction I've actually I released an album there just cause people were like, put it on Spotify. Um, so now I guess I'm a musician as well as a, a comedian. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's the, it's the come dine with me one that got brought my attention to your uh, indie songs. And the thing about your indie songs is as people, Will have will have will have heard or will hear now on this podcast is that they have a really um, sorry for being old about this now, Michael, mm-hmm. but they have a really groovy sound to them. Okay, they are they are what I would describe as groovy. It's yeah. uh, they've got a you you describe them as an indie sound, but they're actually very hooky. They're actually very listenable to, and your voice is very mellow and melodic. And uh, so, who you you play all the characters in this indie group, don't you? Who are the characters, or what kind of indie group characters are there in your group? Yeah, they're all kind of loosely based off. I don't know if you've heard of Block Party. Um, they were a big yeah. band like ten years ago, or whatever. But like, they're kind of loosely based off that. So you have. Um, a very serious keyboard player. And I, I went to see the block party in the Olympia and I remember the bassist had a keyboard for a little while and he was just miserable. And it was like, God, man, this is your dream job and you're standing here like just annoyed. Like, um, you know, people are so cool. They're just 
upset or annoyed like that kind of way um and then there's a guy i've i've i call them all they're all michaels because they're part of the michael cinematic universe all my characters <laughs> okay. are michael uh so that's michael keys michael guitar is the guitarist he wears a hat much like the edge or like i don't know if you've ever seen ham sandwich live there's a guy there who's like kind of just wears an ireland jersey and a hat and i have seen ham sandwich yeah so there's those kind of like irish bands where there's just this guy who's like would just be a primary school teacher in a different life but is now a guitarist for some reason um and then we've michael bass who's kind of soft kind of very you know he's chilled out he's very very cool he's very you know he hides a lot of his face and that's based off the guitarist in block party he has this big long fringe that went over his head and then the lead singer is kind of a bit more kind of peppy and a bit more kind of i don't know a bit more sexual i suppose like <laughs> uh and I, I just do that because i find it funny i find it hilarious that anyone could find me sexy so i try and just amp up the sexiness of it um but it seems to work for some reason i don't know people think it's not a joke and it's like it totally is <laughs> so um yeah it's it, there are a whole cast of people it's kind of like gorillas but i haven't got the budget for animation i just have my own wardrobe and some of my mother's clothes so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. And have you seen, have, do you play all the instruments yourself? In other words, do you, are they program instruments or do you actually play the, the these various different instruments? I, I play, yeah, the guitar. It's only, I've only one guitar. Um, mm. So I, I lower that electronically on, on the computer to sound like a bass uh, for that. I do play the keyboards. Um, the drums are the only thing I don't play, but I program them in basically. So it's all on Ableton Live, which is like a music software. So it's all constructed on that. So I do kind of lip sync when I'm filming myself because it actually, I don't know if you filmed yourself singing before, but sometimes it doesn't look like you're singing or you can't see your move, your lips move if you're actually singing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to be a bit more exaggerated as if you're kind of, you know, as if you are singing, but you're not really. So um, yeah, yeah I, I do play everything. Yeah. Now, millions and millions of people have, especially in the last few months, have copped onto this and have clicked on you or have um, or retweeted you or whatever. What has that meant for your life? I mean, what has that meant for your day to day existence? I mean, first of all, more more people know who you are. You're probably getting more feedback um, you're getting more uh, replies. You're getting way more followers. Um, but and what, so what has it meant for your day to day life? Yeah, it's I'm I'm busy. So I signed with an agent in November, and I think I had like nine thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, and I think it was kind of a thing where they're like, "Oh, he'll he, you know he's good. He'll be a, a safe pair of hands." I don't think they ever expected me to triple that. I now have thirty thousand followers on Instagram or whatever. I doubled my Twitter following, all that kind of stuff. So it's meant that you know brands are seeking me out specifically, or I I get more work than I would have done you know, in December, November, December. And it's another thing I can use to kind of make sponsored content, I suppose. Um, But that just means I'm busy. And it also means um, I have a way of like, when something funny happens on the internet, lots of people will tag me in it and I'll be able to make a song out of it. So an example of that is Hanforth Parish Council, you know, the whole, you've no authority here, Jackie Weaver thing. Mm. Um, That Mm. happened. I was tagged 20 times in it uh, when I was on my way home. And I was like, right, I'd better churn this out. I got it done in like, I think it was 24 hours. And it went everywhere. And that was, you know, that happens a lot now where people tag me in stuff or make suggestions about what content I should make, which is great. It means it's, yeah. it's a lot easier to think of ideas. Yes. And when you say you get more work, so explain to me how that process works. So how does it work in relation to, let's say you got 1.2 million um, uh, hits for the Come Dine With Me one. How mm-hmm. does that work in terms of trying to turn it into money? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't get paid for views on social media so it, youtube will pay you for views but i mean i'm not huge in youtube so that doesn't really happen so what it does mm-hmm. mean is that i have more followers and more followers means i've more reach uh which means that like if i did sponsored content if i did an ad for i don't know permanent tsb or carlsberg or someone like that um that more people are going to see it so that's when brands decide okay we maybe want to work with this guy because he aligns with our values mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. it is a kind of partnership aspect of it but it's it's more just the, the bulk of people that i can reach that that is attractive to brands and stuff like that and when you do an ad for someone like carlsberg or a bank or whatever what do you do it as do you do it as michael fry do you do it as the indie band do you sing a song about carlsberg do you sing a song about the bank it very much depends on what the what the brand is and what they want i did a song for i think it was um pizza hut we're launching a, a, a KFC pizza or something. And I was like, right, I'll write a song about that. So I wrote kind of like an 80s kind of, I don't know, Bronski beat kind of song about popcorn, chicken, pizza. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, you can do jokes. You can kind of just play with it whatever way you want because they want you to, you know, 
you know, encourage your audience or kind of make it entertaining for your own audience as well as just being an ad. Mm. So yeah, it, it really depends mm. on what, what it is specifically that they want. Sometimes it's heavily scripted and it's like, okay, grand, I'll do it. It's, it's no problem. Like, but yeah. obviously I prefer to have more freedom like anyone would. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you can make a living doing this. You can, you can definitely make a living doing this. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, um, I also have coffee set up on my uh, Twitter, which means it's kind of like busking. So it's kind of like leave a hat in the ground and people can donate whatever they want. Uh, so particularly after a couple of viral videos, people will be like, oh yeah, that, that made me laugh a lot. Here's three quid or here's enough for a coffee or a pint or whatever. Uh, and that, that works really well as well because people are kind of like, you know, they feel like they're funding it or they're helping me along. They absolutely are, you know, because I bought equipment and, and, and stuff for that money. It is. Bit, that's so. true, Michael. And that's actually one of the cultural changes that have taken, um, that has taken place with the internet as well and with performers on the internet. What I mean by that is, I remember when I first listened to Blind Boy Boat Club mm-hmm. and uh, on his podcast and he was there like, so listen, if you want to leave me um, a few quid for a cup of coffee, um, a cup of coffee would be well appreciated. I'm kind of going, what the hell? Like, like is he asking people for a cup of coffee like but what I didn't really get was that that was that is the culture of as you say leave your hat on the ground and busking and that is part of the new uh, if you choose to support me do support me um, mm. kind of way which is which is I found very interesting yeah I think uh, particularly with the the like streaming services and stuff like that you'll find musicians do this as well on Spotify they'll have a PayPal link or whatever and it's because they're not paid huge amounts of money, even if they get, say, a million streams or whatever. So it's kind of just a way of people making sure that, that their artists are able to make the art that they want to make, if you know what I mean, and that we're not working 40 hours a week and then struggling to try and do stuff. I mean, I've, I've produced a lot of videos over the last while. Definitely wouldn't have been able to do that if I had a full-time job, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, it's been, I think it's it's democratized things in a way that hasn't been before, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do people respond on your timeline or your presence on the internet to the co- so-called coffee response? Do people contribute to you? Yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's lovely. It's it's so, so nice. I think I have a really yeah. nice kind of following and they're, they're very, very happy for kind of any success I have, which is wonderful, you know? So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that is, again, hugely interesting. Here's another one we have, uh, Michael, and I'm familiar with this one myself. And actually, you suggested this one first. Presumably under the auspices that I'm of an aging demographic and you knew that it would appeal to me and my listeners. But anyway, it's um, a famous incident that took place on in the RTE television studios um, in relation to soccer punditry. And I'll start with the words Eamon Dunphy and you take it from there. What happened? So, <laughs> so essentially, um, they were slagging Roy Keane off on whatever Apri match or whatever, whatever that segment is called. And I do remember I watched this live because I think I was like eleven at the time, and yeah, it was essentially Eamon Dunphy um, was talking about a column that was written by uh, a journalist who we all know the name of now, um, and he said, "Well, who wrote the column?" And Bill was like, "Oh, I'm not going into that." He's like, "Who wrote it, Bill?" I'll tell you, who wrote it, Rod Little. He's the guy who ran away and left his life for a young one. Who doesn't showboat like Niall Quinn? This is a man who actually goes and sees sick children in hospital. This is a family man with five children who's a credit to his country and to his family. And I'm not going to listen to him being called a tug by you. I don't, don't want to hear what I want. Hang on a second, no, don't misquote me. I said that was written. Why are you not introducing it to this, this Because I'm what? saying there's an alternative view. And whose view is it? That's the, that's the view that was whose view is it? In that the column on the Sunday Times. Who's that column? I'm by who? It's on the back page of the Sunday Times last Sunday. Look at it. And who wrote it? I can't remember his name. I tell you who wrote it. Who? I can remember his name. Rod Little. He's the yeah, guy the who ran away and left his wife for a young one. Ah, Emma, come on, no, that's that's sort of order, that kind of stuff. No, it's not. You started it. I didn't. You don't even know who wrote it. I know who wrote it. Listen, surely the the point. Nobody is arguing that he's. People sent me that clip over and over again. So I was like, right, let's write a song about it. So I did. <laughs> you know. All right, Marty. Can you? I can, can, think you can busk it there almost live. Can you give us a bar of it? I can give it a go. We'll see how it sounds. Oh, great. This is a man who actually goes and sees sick children in hospital. <laughs> this is a family man with five children. He's a credit to his country. I'm not gonna listen to him be called a thug by you. No, I'm not. 
gonna listen to him be called a thug by you. And who wrote it? I can't remember his name. I tell you who wrote it. I can remember, I can remember he's raw little, he's a guy who ran away and left his wife for a young one. Raw little, he's a guy who ran away and left his wife for a young one. Hey man, that's out of order. Hey man, that's out of order. Hey man, that's out of order. Out of order. There you go. <laughs> hey, I love it. <laughs> Do you know what? Listening to that now, um, I really get the impression that you 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 love singing and you love playing guitar and you love singing. I absolutely do. I love it. Yeah, the whole point of me being a yeah. whole band was just to accompany myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd love it if I didn't have to play the. It was looking for an excuse. Yeah. You were looking for an excuse. That's all you are. Well, you have a really sweet voice, and you you've you've obviously uh, an ear for a tune as well because um, there's something quite melodic about about all those things. Um, Michael, tell me about obviously. Obviously, you are deeply immersed in social media from mm-hmm. the point of view of, um, of of the work that you're doing at the moment. Um, and I mean, when we talk about the social about social media these days, one of the words that's used about it is toxicity mm-hmm. and how toxic it, toxic it is. But I'm getting the impression that maybe you don't exactly see it from exactly that vantage point, do you? Probably not. No, I think I've had a very, very positive experience with the internet. I think a lot of that actually is to do with the fact that I'm a man um, and that, you know, I, I don't suffer the same kind of nonsense that a lot of my female friends would. I mean, nobody sends me dick pics or, you know, tells me they know where I live or threatens to rape me or anything like that. When That has all happened to people I know. So I, I understand when people say the internet is toxic because there's lots of aspects of it that aren't good. Uh, I think in my case, though, I don't engage with it, but also I, it just doesn't happen. You know what I mean? I think I, I have a very, very nice audience. I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting, the kind of two internets that exist out there. I mean, I don't particularly engage in kind of politics, really. I don't engage in arguments. I just don't bother because you can't have a nuanced discussion on a platform like Twitter because your, result, your, your responses are very, very short. And, you know, you're not going to get the kind of depth of discussion you get. You get people who want an argument, who want to set their stall out rather than actually have a conversation. So I don't engage with that because it's kind of very pointless. So I have a very kind of nice niche and a nice kind of part of the internet, but I understand when people say toxicity or understand when people say, you know, it's it's a grim place to be sometimes. Do you ever get, I'm wondering about, uh, because you're so used to being exposed to other people's comments about you in a public forum, which um, I, do you ever get upset by what somebody might say about you, even in a creative way? Imagine if somebody, for example, the the mm. usual, you're shite. Mm. Um, it doesn't. I don't really care to be honest. Like, kind of like, I like it just in sheer weight of numbers. It actually doesn't matter what somebody with four followers has to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, I often just say I do get something like that. I will look through the timeline and be like, I think right. Do they have a point? First of all if it's constructive criticism or whatever, you know, sometimes it will be like, okay, yeah, maybe that was a bit repetitive or maybe I didn't add too much there or whatever. That's fine. Um, it's just when yeah. it gets personal or when it's, you know, just a bit nasty that I'm like, okay, well, why would you say something to a random person like that? Do you know what I mean? It, it says more about them than it does about me. So no, it doesn't really bother me. Um, I don't think you can let it bother you, but at the same time, I don't get the same volume of, of abuse or anything like that as, as other people do. So it's kind of like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Certainly not as much as I do anyway. But do you get much? Does that happen to you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you do, you do, you do, you do get plenty of abuse, Michael. I mean, mm. I mean, when you're doing comedy on the radio or whatever, or on the television, um, it divides people, you know. Mm. And especially when you're doing political comedy or uh, piss takes, um, people will fall into a sort of even a political uh, breakdown about that, you know, that mm. they'll go, "Well, he's slagging off uh, them, and I'm pro them, and and that sort of stuff." But but there are different types of humor as well. I mean. Mrs. Brown's Boys, for example, um, you can't compare yourself to Mrs. Brown's Boys, but Mrs. Brown's Boys would be extremely divisive, mm-hmm. uh, comedically speaking. 
And um, and even the stuff I do, you know, I mean, I see stuff, you know, you're funnier than a, bur- or a bur- burning orphanage is funnier than you and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw the burning orphanage one, I was just like, Jesus, whoa. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that's hardcore. And I actually went, it's not, it's quite funny as well. First time I saw it. And I went, oh, my God. Their 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 um their insult of me is actually funnier than they think I am, and that's 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 cool, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of admiring some of people's insults of me, going, "That's terrible," but it's actually quite funny. Mm. Um, but no, yeah, I get plenty of insults. But I found that one of the ways of dealing with the insults was by looking at all the insults, Michael, mm. so that I could. Ex- I don't know if you're aware. I don't know if you're you can you can sympathize with my approach. The idea that. Instead of covering up and never looking at anybody's insults, I actually have looked at them all so mm. that I get inured to them and I develop a bit of a leather neck about them, which I think d- helps me personally because I'm a reasonably sensitive person. So to develop a bit of a neck is is actually helpful to me. Um, yeah, I, but obviously, I under- but obviously yeah. your audience have been very sweet to you. Yeah, no, they're, they're very, very nice. Yeah, I understand that kind of thing. I, I think a lot of the time they don't seem to understand that there's another person at the other side of the screen. So they're saying something to a character, to Mario that's on the TV or Mario that's, they don't actually think there's a person there that I, they'd never say it to your face. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I did an essay there for college. I do a master's in digital media and I was talking about cyberbullying and there's a thing called toxic disinhibition on the you know, on, on the internet. And that when you're behind a screen, it's kind of like road rage or whatever. You say things that you never think anyone's going to hear and that's what happens online is that they say things to you that they don't even themselves mean you know what i mean they, they've said it to a version of you that they don't know so it's kind of you can't really take it that personally when they do that i don't reply to any of it because mm. it's kind of like well i'm not going to give you the attention you want i think the most infuriating thing i can do is just not reply at all you know what i mean because at the end of the day i'm going to forget about this in two hours time you're not going to wait so i think that's a wise way to proceed that you don't re- your policy is um not to engage with negativity and that's created a an arena of of positivity around you so listen some of the good things that have happened to you recently are you know i mean the bbc radio one thing was great but also you must be having some you know you must be having some good conversations with people about trying to do stuff what kind of stuff would you like to get into as well as the present world that you're in yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting one because, I mean, I'm not a stand-up, so mm. live was always going to be a challenge for me. I wasn't sure how to do it. And obviously, I'd looked at people like yourself or, or people who aren't stand-ups, they're character actors or yeah. do stage shows or whatever. Mm. Um, but thanks to the band, it's now a thing where I can just do a gig and people will want me to play the hits. And it's kind of a lot easier than trying to make people laugh. Like, I know, I suppose they will laugh and I'll have bits yeah. of comedy in it. So, yeah. you know, a bit like David O'Doherty. David O'Doherty often stands there with his Casio keyboard and just churns out the hits. Yeah, that's, I love David O'Doherty. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'd love to emulate that kind of success. So live is something I'm looking at. Um, I think a lot of online comedians as well are being approached about like podcasts and things like that. So I'm exploring those areas, but I'm also kind of talking to people about say voice work or kind of acting and things like that so we'll just see where i'm picked up or how i'm picked up um it's hard to know how to forge ahead because i don't really know i don't really know what i want at the same time it's kind of this thing where i've I've arrived and i have people's attention but i'm like right well what am i going to do with it now (laughs) so i don't know yeah yeah no it's a magnificent world it's it's a very interesting world one of the things that struck me was um about the way you choose your material um Mm. is that doing a doing doing comedy for the internet is much in, it's much different in a way than doing comedy for television or the radio. And here's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. If, you do, if you do comedy for the internet, an audience can find you for what it is. If you do comedy for the radio, you must almost find your audience. And if you do comedy for the television, you must also almost find your audience. Whereas it's a little bit the reverse on the internet. You do whatever you want, and then people who like that thing will eventually gravitate towards you. Where, you know what I mean? Whereas mm. on the radio, it's like, well, you know, this show is only listened to by 55 to 85 year olds and it's about current affairs. So if you're not into that, you probably won't find it here, mm. um, et cetera. So that's the interesting sort of I, I reversal. Agree with that. Of, yeah, yeah I it's was an interesting on, one. I was on Ray Darcy a couple of weeks ago and his first question to me was like, if it was 25 years ago, what would you be? As in, mm. would you be a stand-up or would you be on the TV or whatever? And it is almost a new kind of genre in that, like, I can get instant feedback in the same way that a live comedian can, only I can quantify it and I can see it in numbers, what people liked, what people shared and all kind of stuff. And then I can respond to that 
uh, but I'm not doing it in a, in a live setting so I can prepare for it and you know I can schedule things and it's that kind of way so it, it is it's whole it's a whole new genre of comedy I think and it, it's mm. built around the time of it as well like very few of my sketches go over the two minutes or anything like that so it's it is exactly but, but just uh, yeah time uh, having, having said that having said that 25 years ago I could have easily seen you fitting into for example Ray Darcy's radio show or Ian Dempsey's breakfast show and mm-hmm. Ian would go right well here's the new one from Michael Fry because we all saw what happened with Eamon Dunphy on the telly last week yeah. here's Michael's new indie song I mean, it would have been perfect. So, you know, it, it works on that medium as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting how much things have changed. I mean, th- hearing you talk about text messaging coming in for the first time that long ago <laughs> and that, that, like, you saw the technological change the whole way through is, is really, really interesting. Um, it is, Michael, because, like, the first time I was on the radio was, like, you know, doing comedy on the radio. It was, like, 1998. And mm. uh, people would often ask, how did you know it was going down well or not? And the two examples I always use are Ian would go to Tesco on a Thursday and an old lady might come up to him and go, I'm loving the Bertie bit. Right? <laughs> and, and, and the second thing that came up was the Taoiseach's office themselves rang us and asked us for cassette tapes of that thing you were doing on the radio. Wow. That was the only thing we heard. Nobody, you, you just had no idea what was happening out there. Hence, probably loads of people were given contracts for years for being, while they were absolutely shite. <laughs> <laughs> if I was to become an internet comedian tomorrow and you were schooling me, give me the do's and don'ts. Everything. Oh, okay, right. Um, I would say have a good, have good sound and whatever equipment you're using. Uh, I think I was using a terrible smartphone at the beginning, so the audio isn't great in some of my clips. I would say make whatever you want, um, as in like people can tell when they're being pandered to, people can tell when you're jumping on a trend, all that kind of stuff. It's not really authentic and people know that. So make whatever you want, uh, build it and they will come. But also use your social network as a social network. I mean, even if I wasn't doing videos, if I wasn't doing comedy, I would still use Twitter and I would still use Instagram or whatever, because it's a great way of meeting people who think like you do and have the same interests. And, you know, I've learned so much by just following interesting people on social media. So, and that's a source of material as well. I follow a lot of journalists and I follow a lot of case scientists and things like that. And it's, it's kind of, it kind of opens you up a lot more and gives you more things to talk about and to, to share and stuff. So, um, I think that's, there are my tips, I suppose. And then don't engage in negativity. That's that's mm. kind of yeah. They're they're mm. my rules. I think they're really good tips. And uh, the other one I find as well is obviously it's 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 it goes without saying, but it's an unbel- Twitter, for example, is an unbelievable research tool, mm. uh, speedy research tool for if you're t- really trying to find out about what that thing was. Um, you know, it's an amazing uh, research tool. Now, I didn't realize. Well, I did realize you're a massive fan of Aidan Gillen, and I know you're not massively into impressions, although you're good with accents. Yeah, um, but you do you you do love doing your little bit of Aidan Gillen, don't you? What is it about Aidan Gillen that you love? There's there's I I don't know. I think me and my brother were watching. I think it was The Dark Knight Rises or whatever, and he's in that, and he's not in it for that long, but he's kind of he's ridiculous in it. And we've been watching him in Game of Thrones, and his accent had kind of morphed the whole way through Game of Thrones from very English at the start to like just being a pirate towards the end, like, you know, um, and I'd seen him in all these different series. I'd seen him in The Wire and Peaky Blinders and all that kind of stuff. And he's, he's this actor that everybody knows. And I was like, why hasn't anyone done an impression of this man? He is so silly. You know, what I, mean? I think he's brilliant. I think he's definitely like, I think he's like Ireland's kind of Nicolas Cage and that he's, you know, he's very idiosyncratic or whatever, but he's a very good actor at the same time. But it's just this bizarre yeah. kind of, terrifying sexiness that he has that I think is brilliant. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, my my impression of it's kind of, I move my mouth kind of up to this way and I'm kind of very, you know, this, hello. Tilted, it's yeah. a very, very sensual way of speaking and a very, very interesting tone in the way he says things and the way he pauses. Yeah, you know, kind of like, just kind of very... I don't know. That's right. Um, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 ridiculous, and I just thought I want to pay tribute to this man. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, he is a fascinating. He is a fascinating character actor. Very interesting. All right. Um, right, Michael. Question on my page here. What is Michael Seance, and who is he? 
Okay, so Michael Sayods is this character I did for the month of October for Halloween. Um, and it was essentially like this radio therapist because I used to, I used to this guy on, I think it was I-105. He used to like interpret dreams and help people with their problems and stuff. Um, and basically he's based on like a priest I used to have in Navin, but I've given him a Northern accent. So there's just this very kind, kind of understanding kind of tone of voice that he has. And he's very gentle and he doesn't judge anybody. And it's that kind of way, right? But the people ringing in are obviously monsters and ghouls and goblins and I, I think that, that <laughs> yeah I think I have a Frankenstein or whatever but it did really well I managed to get like five or six videos out of it and Don French like quote tweeted one of them was like this guy is my new comedy crush and that's I actually screamed Again, when I that saw happened. that so, <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah it doesn't Again, get better I than that. that I saw that Don French one it does that's great yeah so let's hear a clip of Michael Seance How's it going? Welcome back to The Witching Hour with me, Michael Seance. Tonight, as usual, I'll be using my gift to receive messages from imps, cryptids, mythical beasts, ghosts and ghouls. And they'll tell us how they feel being in a state of transition between our world and the next. Joining us tonight is Frank. Frank, could you explain a bit about who you are for people at home? Yes, well, basically, I'm a monster and I was made by my father, who was a scientist. And uh, my main body would be from this boy called Adonis because he was so beautiful. And then my legs would have come from his cousin Eileen, who was a, a champion high jumper. And then uh, I got the brain of his friend Porik, but, you know, it doesn't work okay, as well. OK, before you go on, Frank, before we listen to why exactly you feel the way you do, I'd like you to stop using the word monster to describe yourself because in my opinion the scariest thing about monsters is that they don't exist and they're actually reflections about how society treats the marginalised and the ugly way in which we treat ourselves. But you told my producer earlier that you felt lonely and that you struggled making friends. You know, I've, I've been trying to make friends and things like that, but, you know, they come over to you and they would say, I thought Adonis had died. And I'd say, yes, he did die, but there's a different brain in here now. My name's Frank. Nice to meet you. And I'd extend my hand and they'd see the grey in my hand and know that I had been dead before. And and then they would see the bullets in my neck and most people would run away then now. I think, for me, you're, you're in a sense of crisis about who you are. Um, I think most of us take on traits of people, maybe not physical traits like you have, but we take on people's opinions and we take on people's problems and I think what you need to do is really set yourself apart from Adonis and from your father. Is there anything you like doing that's really a frank thing and, and not a them thing? Well I quite like creeping around in the dark and um, okay. sitting in barns and, and eating human flesh. Right I wouldn't I was thinking like badminton or a sport or something. Okay. Well, I did. I played one game of rounders with my with my father and, and a few people from the village once, and I really enjoyed that. Um, so maybe maybe I'll think about that. Okay, I think you should, Frank. Could you stay on the line there? I'm just going to go to Sasquatch, who's feeling the same sense of isolation and 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 real kind of loneliness out in the wilderness. Um, hello, Sasquatch. How's it going? Boogity boogity boo. And an oogity boogity boo to you too. Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Excellent stuff. Well, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure reacquainting myself with you. Um, we've met a few times over the years and uh, you've always been a real pleasure to to be around, to chat to. And it's great watching you uh, do all this. And uh, I can't wait to see the exciting things that happen to you in the next while. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of, of Gift Grow back in the day and we had the CD and stuff. So it's been uh, um, a life goal of mine to be on the radio at Mary Rose's talk and I have done that. I know I'm on the podcast, which is brilliant. So um, yeah, life made. Thanks so much for having me on. You're very welcome, Michael. Thank you for coming on. And that's it from Michael. And that's it from me. Thanks to Michael for chatting to me today and check out his stuff at Big Dirty Fry. And thanks to Michael, of course, not only for chatting, but for singing live. Um, as I said, Eamon Dunphy is my um, next guest. Um, next week the great the legendary Eamon the writer the journalist the radio broadcaster the podcaster uh, the commentator the pundit the lounge singer and believe me I have frequented late night lounges with Eamon and watched him sing and even sung with him Eamon is a great character it's a great privilege always to talk to him and I look forward to him being my guest next week for you stay safe stay well I look forward to chatting to you take it easy <laughs>